Welcome to the Vine Church TC Community Podcast. This is Jamie Jones, your host, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with people right here in our very own community. I hope this brings us all closer together and reaffirms to each listener that you belong. So this conversation is with someone that I learned is from the same country as me. I didn't know that. I didn't really know anything about him, though I did know he was very intelligent. I was honestly a bit nervous to have this conversation, thinking that he might use words that I wouldn't understand. (laughs) But after we started talking, I knew that even if he did, it would be no problem to just ask him what they meant because he was very easy to talk to and really interesting to get to know. So here is my conversation with Craig Backer. I'm so glad that you said yes to this. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. So tell me, Craig, a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Right. Uh, So my name is Craig Backer. Uh, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, and grew up in Kelowna, British Columbia. I did my undergrad in British Columbia as well, uh, in Victoria. And uh, I lived in England for three years uh, before moving here to the U.S. Okay, you want to know something cool? I'm actually, well, I think it's cool. I'm Canadian. I'm from B.C. Really? Where in B.C.? Yeah. So I still have family in Prince George. Oh, okay. So actually I have family in Kelowna, too. And I lived in Edmonton for a year. Um, I was actually born in Alberta. So I know this is a podcast about you, but I'm like, wait, you're Canadian. (laughs) So am I. Oh, that's fun. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually, I grew up in in different places, um, but my parents still live up in BC. Oh, okay. Cool. And how about your family? Tell me about your family. Uh, So my parents uh, still live in uh, in Kelowna, uh, and I have a younger sister who is currently a medical resident in Nova Scotia, so all the way way on the East Coast, and I have a younger brother who graduated gosh, about a year ago now, from his undergrad, and is a mechanical engineer in Victoria. Um, so that's that's my um, kind of my nuclear family. And then uh, I'm married to Erica, and uh, we don't have kids. So you said your sister's in Nova Scotia. Have you been over there? Have you been to the east coast of Canada yet? Um, I have, but not since my sister moved out there. Um, so after I finished my undergrad, um, I knew that I was going to be headed to England for grad school. And so I, um, as a graduation present to myself, I took a train trip across the country. So I started uh, in Victoria, I took the ferry over to Vancouver and um, they had a, a special pass with the uh, the rail system. And so I, I took a month and kind of went from city to city going west to east. And um, I stopped my, the end of the trip was in Halifax, which is kind of the one of the closest major cities to where my sister currently is. Wow, that's so cool. I bet you saw, well, the prairies. I don't know how that was. Pretty flat? <laughs> uh, it was pretty flat. Um, so the the trip between Vancouver and Toronto, um, I wasn't in a sleeper car or anything like that. I was just kind of in the chairs. And it's, um, I think Edmonton, Toronto was three nights and two days. Um, so I kind of just slept in my chair, which means I didn't sleep a lot. Um, so I got to see the sunrise coming up over the prairies, which was kind of fun. Um, and got to do a lot of reading. Uh, it was it was very relaxing. Um, I think the favorite part though was going through the Rockies. That was that was really gorgeous. Oh, 
it's just Canada is so beautiful. Well, British Columbia is so very similar to Washington. So Western Washington. All right. The next thing that I wanted to hear about from you is your occupation. Can you tell me what you do? Sure. Uh, so I'm a research scientist and I work in a cluster of different areas related to artificial intelligence. Um, so my my technical background is in um, optimization or, or mathematical programming, uh, as it's sometimes described. And uh, more recently, I've gotten into uh, game theory, machine learning, and optimal control. That is very interesting, and it sounds like um, you have to think. Do you have to think a lot in that job? <laughs> uh, as much as possible. Um, the <laughs> You do a lot of, actually, you do a surprising amount of writing, you know, papers and proposals and things like that. Um, but the kind of the heart of it, my favorite part of it is actually sitting down and doing the math, figuring it out, um, just pencil and paper. That's that's probably my favorite part. That's so cool. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, it sounds very like a lot of math. Well, that's awesome. Very interesting. So... You said you've lived, did you mention how long you've lived in the Tri-Cities? Uh, so Eric and I have been here almost four years now. Um, and what, what, what brought you here? Uh, work. So um, when, after I finished my PhD, um, Eric and I were dating long distance actually while I was uh, in England doing my PhD. Um, she was in Portland at the time. And so we, uh, I moved, I finished up, moved over here. Um, we got married a little bit sooner than we planned for uh, immigration reasons, actually. And uh, then I was job hunting for a while. I ended up getting a postdoc at Johns Hopkins. Um, it was just a one-year project um, looking at climate change and food security, which was a, a fascinating project. And but we so we moved all the way over to the East Coast for that uh, that that uh, job. But we, Erica has family here in Washington State, and we both wanted to move back to the side of the country. So uh, I, as soon as I was able to get a job over here, we, we jumped on that. Okay, that makes sense. But I, I, I'm going to ask you a question I didn't ask in advance, but I'm just so curious now. Where did you meet Erica? Uh, so that is, um, that's a great story. Um, so I was, I was doing my PhD in England. And uh, I went to Portland for a conference um, during one summer. And uh, I'd been to Portland uh, with my family a number of times previously. It's a, it's a really neat place. And Portland has a really great uh, swing dance scene. Um, Eric and I both, um, both swing dance. And uh, after the conference was over, I went out to one of the uh, West Coast swing dances that I had been to before. And I met her there. And we, um, we danced a bit. We talked a bit. And I had a bunch of business cards left over from the conference. So I left her with one of my cards saying, you know, if you want to stay in touch by email, um, you know, send me an email. And uh, to make a very long story short, we started emailing back and forth a bit over the fall. And uh, eventually we decided to start dating long distance. And we were... Um, we were emailing, we would uh, Skype on the weekends, which was a little interesting because there's an eight hour time difference. And um, yeah, I was, I was able to visit her a couple of times. She came over to England to visit me during the summer and uh, yeah, the timing and everything worked out and uh, we 
got married actually not too long after I finished my PhD. I love that story. That is so cool. Well, you know what? I don't know very much about the swing dance scene, but I, I, so I don't know how that all works, but I just Mm. think like, good for you for, you know, getting involved in the swing dance scene. (laughs) That's Mm. awesome. Um, and I, I'm going to ask you more about that in a bit because, um, because I'd like to know what some of your interests and hobbies are. Mm-hmm. So uh, one hobby that I didn't have until we bought a house um, is gardening. And I've, I've since gotten quite into that. Um, the, the house we bought had a lot of potential when we bought it. And so I've spent a lot of time uh, pulling up old landscaping fabric or plastic, which is the bane of my existence. Um, putting in some retaining walls, um, getting rid of a bunch of river rock that was just growing weeds, things like that. So I've, I've really gotten into the gardening, um, both flowers and uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, I enjoy reading quite a lot. We've got um, we've now that we have a house, we've been able to buy more bookshelves and and fill those bookshelves, which has been nice. Um, Eric and I have also gotten into board games since we've gotten here. We've started amassing a, a collection, uh, and as uh, you're now aware um, we enjoy swing dancing. Okay, do you do that here? Like, where do you swing dance? So uh, we haven't been able to do it in the Tri Cities as much as uh, we'd like to. But there, uh, until COVID, there was a uh, there was an East Coast swing dance on Sunday nights. I think out at the Shuffler Shanty, um, actually organized by some people that Erica knew um, or had met during her um, time at university. And I think there's also a West Coast swing dance, but that was on that's on Thursday nights. And the unfortunate thing is both of those are kind of work nights or, you know, we have to go to work the next day. And so um, the Erica's demanding schedule has or her demanding work schedule over the last couple of years has meant that we haven't has been one of the reasons why we haven't been able to go out quite as much as we'd like. Yeah. Do you ever go out of town to do it? Um, we, so we've gone back to Portland a couple times to visit friends there. And when we've gone, we've usually gone out, uh, dancing while we're there because Portland has, um, I mean, they have dances, I think every night of the week. So you have a lot of um, options. Yeah. Do they, so I am just going to keep asking about this because I, I would love to go sometime. Like I would Mm. love to go with my husband. Do they offer kind of like a, um, lesson or anything or. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I can't speak to the Thursday night dance, but on the Sunday night dance, um, you know, when it's when it's operating, uh, they usually have a beginner's lesson um, at the beginning of the evening. And um, yeah, I mean, like, actually, I'm trying to think. I think Micah and Sarah and Gabe and Sally came out with us one time to try it, um, which, is, uh, which is fun. <laughs> that just sounds so fun. We're going to do it when they start. We're going to be there, too. Okay. okay. Uh, so... That was, you just mentioned a couple people from the Vine. So how and when did you connect with the Vine? So when Erica and I moved to the Tri-Cities, we started looking for a a church home. And it took us quite a while uh, to to find something that we were were happy with. But I think Erica ended up coming across, I don't know, an advertisement or something like that for the Vine online. And so we attended on a Sunday morning and... We liked it enough to stay, and uh, here we are. Gosh, three years later, something like that. Wow, time flies. 
<laughs> yes, it does. It does. And all right, the next question that I have before we kind of move into more of um, more of like your faith journey and stuff mm. is what are you passionate about? So I think that if you were to try and kind of unify all the different things that I'm interested in, I think you could summarize it by saying that I'm passionate about learning. Um, especially, but uh, not exclusively, what is sometimes uh, derisively referred to as book learning. Um, I really, I really enjoy reading. Um, I think that knowing things and understanding things really matters. Um, and I think, especially today, now, um, under under the current circumstances, being able to distinguish what is true from um, half-truths and outright falsehoods is increasingly important. Um, and I guess the unfortunate thing is that oftentimes, you know, when you're looking at the half-truths and the outright falsehoods, the half-truths are uh, more, more pernicious and more difficult to expose. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, knowledge, learning, those are ways of countering that. Um, and I think it's increasingly important. Mm -hmm. to do so. Yeah, there are so, well, with the internet, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. who regulates that. Nobody regulates that. So no, it's hard no, to weed through does. it all. Right. <laughs> well, and um, so one thing I was able to do, um, gosh, I think it was a year or two ago, is uh, a friend of mine in Cambridge was hosting a workshop on uh, the uh, let's see here, AI threats to epistemic security. Um, and I had the chance to go to this. Basically, epistemic security uh, relates to the ability of societies to uh, access, process, and act on, I think it was like timely, truthful, and authoritative information. And um, I think one could argue that we are facing significant challenges in that area already. And this workshop was focused on um, how developing AI technologies have the possibility of making that uh, much more difficult. Uh, so my friend works at uh, a place called the Center for the Study of Existential Risk, which is a, a fantastic, sounds like a fantastic place to uh, to work. Basically, they're interested in what kinds of things could like end humanity and or the planets and or civilization as we know it. Um, and those, um, the kinds of questions that you just brought up, you know, about internet regulation, um, those were the sorts of things that we discussed. And um, it's very, I think it's, it's really important and something that we don't actually talk about in church and maybe we ought to. Mm -hmm. So. Well, if you have some, I mean, some good in a, uh, resources, <laughs> trusted mm -hmm. sources. It, that's, that's the other thing too, is it, it is, um, it's just a crazy world. It's a weird world we live in now. There's a mm -hmm. lot of access to information and it's, so then it's like, mm -hmm. uh, how do you know which source? Right. Well, and I mean, if you, if you are interested in resources, um, the, the friend of mine that helped to organize the workshop, um, had co-authored a report um, called uh, The Malicious Use of AI, which is, I, th I think if you, if you Google for it, you can find it. Uh, and it was that report that led to the, um, to the workshop being held. And um, so that 
it's it's a it's a little terrifying, but it will give you um, kind of a helpful introduction to some of the issues uh, related to developing AI technologies and um, security threats in general, not just epistemic security. Yeah, well, I I'm writing it down, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in that. Um, and I'm gonna have to time the time it right because it, I I can only handle so many terrifying things at once. Sure. Yeah, you <laughs> right gotta, gotta now, pace yourself. Right now, there's a lot of other things that I'm like, okay, nothing else at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for that. Of course. So I would love if you could share an overview of your faith journey, sort of where you have been and where you are now. Sure. Uh, well, I grew up uh, going to church. And uh, I was baptized um, at my own request when I was a teenager. Um, I think that I really started to come into my own um, as a Christian, though, when I went off to university. Uh, I started uh, reading a lot, um, theology, philosophy, history. I had the chance to travel. Uh, I lived in Japan for a year during my undergrad, which was a fantastic experience. Um, I was in England for three years. for grad school, and uh, I've now been in the U.S. for over five years. As I was uh, doing all of that, as I was traveling and and reading, I had the chance to experience a range of different church traditions. And going to grad school in England and my experiences there, um, that was particularly transformative. Uh, While I was there, I got exposed to religious choral music um, through services like Compline and Evensong. Uh, I got to, to attend them and I also got to actually uh, sing in them, um, which, was, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, I also got immersed in liturgical worship and that, that really resonated with me. The, um, the, the style of the worship, the uh, spirituality around the Eucharist, the cycle of the liturgical calendar, the way in which you know, Lent prepares you for Easter and Advent prepares you for Christmas and how you're um, kind of almost reliving the, the, the narrative of salvation uh, within the year very deliberately. Um, that, uh, yeah, that just resonated with me very, very strongly. Um, I also had the chance to not just read about church history, but to experience church history. Um, the church that I was part of in Cambridge is celebrating its millennial this year. Um, you know, the, the church, the building itself has been renovated, you know, a few times in that interval. Uh, but it's actually a couple feet below the rest of like, they have to step down into the, into the churchyard. Uh, and I think because it's just so old, it's actually sunk down over the years relative to, um, to most of the rest of the city. And it, it was, it's really something to be in a place in worshiping and, and realize that you are worshiping in a in a place where people have been worshiping for a thousand years like they have been they have been standing in this place um they have been going through very similar services for a thousand years um (laughs) i also had the chance to visit uh, a number of different cathedrals in in england um and to to experience history and and art through through the architecture there and that process, both, both both the architecture and also the music, helped me to understand why beauty is important for Christians. You know, it's not just it's not just an optional extra. This is something that's actually quite important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't understand it. I didn't really understand that until uh, 
until I lived in England. Um, so that's where I've been. Uh, where I am now, so I am, uh, I am a resident alien, both uh, literally and, and figuratively. So I am, I am legally and culturally an alien here in the US. Um, and that experience has been uh, both interesting and challenging. Um, you know, Canada and the US do share some important commonalities, but the last few years have really highlighted for me the um, the cultural and political differences between the two. Um, similarly, having been part of several different church traditions uh, means that I don't really fit well into any one of them. Um, so I, I, I can feel uh, a bit like a resident alien in that regard as well. Uh, now there's a, a book by a guy named Stanley Hauerwas um, called Resident Aliens. And he talks about like, what does it mean for Christians to see themselves as resident aliens in the world? You know, residents of the various nations of the world, but citizens of God's kingdom. And experiencing that in, um, you know, in, in the legal and, and cultural fashions that I have, have helped me to better understand and appreciate what that means um, as a Christian to be a resident alien. So that's where I am now. It's mm -hmm. not always entirely comfortable, but um, important, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what you have noticed as far as the cultural differences between Canada and the U.S. What are you noticing? Oh, gosh, that's, oh, that's a bit of a minefield. Um, <laughs> I'm curious because I'm Canadian, but the, I didn't, didn't really grow up in Canada. And so mm. for me, I, 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 I don't know what culture I am or how mm. I, I don't have a strong um, sense un, until I go back to Canada. And then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see why or mm. how I feel like this or uh, why this is familiar or whatever. But anyways, I'm curious in your experience, if, if you just have like one example of the cultural difference, I'm curious what you... One example. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, gosh, they're... the ones that really stand out are all um, uh, politically controversial here in the U.S. Um, so let me try and pick the least <laughs> politically controversial one. Um, right. Healthcare. Um, in Canada... You know, Canada's healthcare system has its issues, and even people who are staunch defenders of it will will recognize that. However, I don't think there's there there is no significant movement in in Canadian society to get rid of public healthcare. Um, there was, I think, there was a some kind of like online, or not online, but like one of the major news, uh, one of the major TV stations in Canada had a like who's the greatest Canadian of all time poll. And the person who won was Tommy Douglas, who was the found, basically the founder of Canada's public healthcare system. Um, and he was the greatest Canadian because of, he, precisely because he was the founder of the public healthcare system. Um, you know, there are some people who have proposed um, kind of dual public private systems in Canada. There's, there's a number of different proposals, but there is a very strong sense that healthcare um, is, something that needs to be needs to be made available for everyone um, and no no major party leader in in Canada um, would suggest getting rid of it like it's mm -hmm. it's 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 not it's not an issue that people would discuss 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here in the U.S., there is um, there are some people who are in favor of a, a universal publicly funded healthcare system, um, but there are a lot of people who are not. There's a lot of people who are um, seems almost afraid of it. Um, there is a sense that have among some people that having a uh, publicly funded healthcare system would somehow compromise um, American identity or individual independence or or things like that, and that is just very very different from the way that most people think about it in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. And again, these are I, I'm making very broad generalizations. There are always going to be exceptions, but um, I cannot. I cannot envision a world in which Canada got rid of its public health care system, mm-hmm. and it is difficult to imagine a world in which the U.S. went over to a fully public health care system. Okay, yeah, I hear you. You know, I didn't, I was really young when I came to the United States to live, and I just didn't even clue in in that difference because I was on a religious workers visa at a church and they provided healthcare. And I just was like, Oh, cool. You know, like, yeah, I didn't think anything of it as far as, um, like that, that was a big benefit. (laughs) You know, it was just like part of like, of course, you know, in my mind, like that's just part of life. And then in a different season, we were without health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) What? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a person or life event that has significantly influenced your faith journey? Yeah. Um, when I was, so I did internships as part of my undergrad. Um, that was part of, that was uh, actually why I was in Japan for a year was I was doing an internship there. Um, while I was doing an internship in Vancouver, BC, uh, I heard a sermon from the church I was going to there about uh, passion. You know, what what is your passion? And it forced me to ask myself, like, what what is it that I am really passionate about? Because there were lots of things that I was interested in, lots of things that I enjoyed doing, but was there a unifying theme to those interests? And the conclusion that I ended up coming to was that it was learning. Um, You know, I I love to read. I enjoyed learning new skills, dance, you know, swing dance being one of them. And realizing that uh, was, uh, I don't know, I turned a corner I, in, in certain ways when, when that happened. Uh, I, was, I was reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance at the time. And uh, I, got, I, got really, I started getting really fired up about philosophy. Uh, I went out and got a bunch of Plato's dialogues from the library and I read them. And uh, that really kicked off my uh, sort of private study efforts. Um, I was started reading, you know, I had access to university libraries uh, as well as the public library. And I started reading thousands of pages of uh, mostly theology, but other stuff as well, uh, thousands of pages a semester. Wow. Um, and I haven't been able to do quite as much since I left university, but uh, I still, you know, try and get to, some, to, get, a, uh, get to a bit of material now and then. Yeah, it sounds like it was almost like a freedom to be like, oh, I'm actually passionate about learning or something. Is that mm-hmm. kind of like a freedom or or 
Uh, I would say more of an epiphany than a freedom. Epiphany, but... yeah. I'm, I'm waving my hand. No one can see, but it's like, above my head. <laughs> an epiphany, yeah. that's a better word. <laughs> a, a lot of things started to fall into place. And engaging in that, um, in that reading kind of, I feel like it supercharged my spiritual development in certain regards. Um, it, it brought a number of new challenges, um, both intellectual and otherwise, to the forefront. Uh, but it was good for me and has continued to be good for me. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, do you have a story of when you knew God was real? Yeah. Uh, so I think I mentioned earlier that um, I spent a year doing a postdoc at uh, Johns Hopkins. And that was uh, that was a great experience, one, just because of the, the subject matter. Um, I, I realized, I got to learn about how climate change isn't just a um, an environmental or political issue, but it's actually a social justice issue as well. Uh, and I'm happy to talk more about that later if, you're, if you like. Uh, but in the middle of that, I went back to Cambridge for my graduation ceremony. Um, they do it a bit differently over there. I was able to wait until I could actually leave the country, immigration stuff, and uh, go back and, and do the ceremony. Uh, but living in Baltimore was uh, very stressful. It was uh, driving, and there was was very stressful. The, the drivers are are a little crazy. Um, Baltimore, as some people may be aware, is uh, suffers from a great deal of uh, racial inequality, um, both currently and historically. And that was good to learn about and educational, but not easy. Um, so there was that, um, I was job hunting as well as trying to work a full-time job because my postdoc was only a, a year long position. Um, so I was kind of doing all of those things and, and kind of just feeling stressed and worn out. Um, but while we were in Cambridge, I went to Evensong at my college there and I forgot my umbrella in, in the stalls. And I went back for it later and discovered that they were also hosting a Compline service that evening. Now Compline, um, is a, it's a, at my college, it's a, it was a candlelit service, uh, a sung uh, a cappella service, sung in the chapel. Uh, I used to sing at it weekly uh, when I was at Cambridge, but it's very, very peaceful. It's It was one of the monastic offices that they had uh, right before, it was the monastic office that they had right before they went to bed. So just very calming and soothing. Um, the uh, choir that was singing it was actually the choir I had been a part of and they sang, um, Bird's Ave Verum Corpus, which is one of my favorite pieces. And I going there and, and going through that gave me a really much needed sense of peace. Um, it 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 made me it made me feel like God hadn't forgotten me after all, and in, in the midst of all of the other stuff that was going on, um, that I was that he brought me there and I was able to um, experience that. It was, it was really encouraging, um, encouraging to, to have that and encouraging to be like, right, God, God has not forgotten me, even though sometimes it feels that way. Mm-hmm. He knew you needed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. What is one question you have for God? 
like the political differences and cultural differences, picking one question is, <laughs> it was a little tricky. Um, but I guess if I had to pick one, um, the the church today is divided and, and fractured uh, to an incredible extent. It's divided by uh, doctrine and ecclesiastical structure. Um, even Even more tragically, it's divided by uh, race, class, political inf- affiliation, and nationality. Um, and that is a great scandal, uh, a great stumbling bo- block to the church and um, to our mission to the world. And so the question I have is, how is God going to overcome that? How will he unite his people um, in as one um there's a a song that i really like called um that one faith and it's um part of the chorus goes you know there is one faith one hope and one baptism one god and father of all and that i believe that but it's something i believe by faith and not by sight and so how how will that be made how will that be actualized how will God do that? Because I don't know. I, I don't, I cannot see how that will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the question. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for picking one. <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> mm, indeed. <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap it up. And I have four quick questions for you. What is something good that's come out of this crazy quarantine time for you? Well, ironically enough, I've actually been able to get caught up on work. Um, it's it's a tragic irony given how many people are out of work right now. Uh, but I've been able to work remotely and not having to deal with any kind of commute um, has meant extra time to get stuff done. Um, not a whole lot, not a lot of extra time, but you know, over the course of several months, it adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, Okay. What is your go-to order from your favorite restaurant in the Tri-Cities? Well, Eric and I were discussing this and we don't really have one favorite restaurant in the Tri-Cities and we don't have kind of one order that we get from any one of them, generally speaking. But if I had to pick one, uh, it would probably be uh, Brickhouse Pizza and getting the Big Grizz pizza from them is that in west richland it is okay can you what is the big grizz what's on that uh let's see here it's got uh i think it's got some onion and sausage and pepperoni and it might have olives on it i'm not sure i'm gonna have to look it up it's it's really tasty big grizz okay we love pizza so Mm. Yeah, Brickhouse is pretty good. Yeah, I don't think we've been there. So I love this question because it gives me ideas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And next question, what is the title of the last book you read? So right now I'm working my way through an urban fiction series called The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Um, I just finished uh, Changes, which is the, I don't know, 10th or 12th book in the series. Um, And I'm reading this in preparation for the next book, which is coming out in a few weeks. So I'll be ready to read. I'll be kind of all caught up and and ready to 
to dive into that. Um, oh, so this good. is just fun fiction. Yeah, good timing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait. Well, <laughs> I'll have to wait to get it from the library, but other than that, yes. <laughs> All right, and the last question I have for you today is what is one thing that's bringing you joy right now? I think it would be watching the plants grow and flower in my garden, especially um, the grapevine that I planted last year. It's really starting to to go nuts. Uh, We've got a bunch of squash that we planted that is also starting to take off. And I have a catmint plant in my front yard that is just doing fantastically well. And it blooms like crazy and the bees love it. And it, it makes me happy. Well, Craig, this was fun. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to answer all these questions and agreeing to share this conversation in our podcast for our church. Mm-hmm. I just, ah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Loved learning about you and um, a little more of your story. Mm-hmm. And hey, fellow Canadian, that's cool. Go figure. <laughs> Although I have, I've, I've officially immigrated. So I do have my my, um, I've been naturalized, I think is what it's called. So So you have dual citizenship now. now. Yes. Well, in the eyes of Canada, in the eyes of the United States, you can't have dual. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's what I've heard. But, um, with Canada, like, I don't even, I think you will, you're one, if you're, once you're a Canadian, you're always recognized as a Canadian by the Canadian government. By the Canadian, right. I mean, I was born there. So yeah. Anyway, it was very fun talking to you. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Well, now I know a little bit more of Craig's story. And I'm so happy to be able to share that with you, listeners. And I don't know if any of you are interested in checking out the swing dance scene, but I definitely am. So I look forward to seeing Craig and Erica there probably one day, and maybe some of you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these stories that help us connect with each other right here in the Tri-Cities.